powered by the National Screen Institute. This is The Hats We Wear, and I'm your host, Emily Palmer. Welcome to this limited podcast series, where you'll hear from some incredible individuals who happen to be the alumni of the National Screen Institute. Throughout the show, we'll talk successes, failures, highs and lows, and the journey of life as guests navigate the creative media industries in Canada and beyond. This show is produced and distributed from Treaty 1 territory. We acknowledge the land that is occupied and their traditional keepers, Anishinaabe, Cree, Dakota, and the Métis. This is The Hats We Wear. Throughout the development of this limited series, I've spoken to a number of creators, and a common question that I ask is why do you do the work that you do? What inspires you to wake up, to continue to write stories, and to develop films? And a common answer that I've noticed is that it of course helps them to tell a story, but it also helps to make sense of a certain subject. When I was younger, I was a very anxious child and a way to navigate my anxiety, I used to dance. Ballet, jazz, lyrical, and even acrobatics. And aside from putting on different costumes or putting on stage makeup, dance became a way to reveal who I was without having to say a word. And it's really got me thinking. I believe that as creators, most of us do the work that serves as an outlet to use creativity to speak to a certain experience. Within this episode, we'll hear from NSI graduate Ian Bawa. We'll take time to dive into his creative process and listen to his intentions of creating films as he navigates the loss of both of his parents. As a trigger warning, this episode contains discussions around grief and also contains swear words. And yeah, I think there's something very important about using art to be vulnerable and using creative outlets to be vulnerable. I think there's like a gift to that, but like, it's hard. It's not the easiest thing to do. It's just, it's something you have to almost, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. It's just like, it happens sometimes and sometimes it it doesn't. And you can usually tell the difference because sincerity really shows. This is Ian Bawa. He's a filmmaker based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. At the National Screen Institute, Ian took courses like NSI Totally Television and NSI Business for Producers. Ian's path to filmmaking wasn't instant. Initially, he wanted to study law. Uh, I was always told as a young kid that like, I had the gift of gab. I was good at arguing. I was good at like debating. I don't think I really was, but I think what I had was the skill of communication, the skill of being able to give my energy while talking, et cetera, et cetera. Like I had this skill and, and everyone kept telling me that would be useful as a lawyer. And especially my parents who obviously like I'm a South Asian person and I come from a, my parents immigrated here. So like lawyer, doctor, or like those are the jobs they want. Um, and when I got to university, obviously, you know, everyone, I think you relate to get there. You don't really know for sure what you really want to do. And lawyer was the box that was like, I'll start progressing into this direction. Um, and then by my third year, my mom passed away and it was very devastating. And, uh, and what I, what I did after was I was like, I have to be a lawyer. I have to be a lawyer now more than ever. 
because I need to make her proud. I need to be successful. And, um, and then I graduated criminal justice and uh, political science, and I was going to head way to law school. And then I just started having panic attacks. I started freaking out that like, <laughs> that this was not the career path I should be doing. And the one thing that always made me happy was during this time while I was like studying for law school, dealing with my mom's grief, all these other things, I would, I, I learned how to play guitar and it, it was kind of an accident. I was just trying to just deal with my grief and it was something to focus my mind on. And as I played more and more, I started wanting to film myself um, because at the time, you know, it was just like something I liked doing. I was like, Oh, I'll see how good I am. And then I was like, I'll put these up on Facebook. So I was the only thing around at the time. And then I started editing the videos. And so I was doing this as like my free time fun thing. And I was like, wow, this is really fun. I, it'd be cool to get paid to do this. And I've always had an interest in movies. Movies were like my communicating aspect. If I was at a party, I could be like, I could talk to someone about a movie because everyone has at least one favorite movie. And I know so much about movies. And I, I love movies. And, and so I found this little like passion all of a sudden by making these little videos. So I basically took some scholarship money that I had. It was like an honorarium. And I got to fund my first year of film. And I told my dad to go to law school like after a year and I did a second year of film because I was still lost and I did a third year of film. And by my third year, I won everything at the film festival that our school had. And I was very happy. And I thought this was my chance to keep pursuing it. And I kept pursuing it. And uh, that's kind of the very short term version, <laughs> short version of, uh, of everything that's happened. But yeah, it's, it's been a journey for sure. Like it's not just like one thing happens it's a multitude of things happening. There's probably is a, a center point to it all, but like it, it's a perfect storm of things to like get you, get me to where I am. For sure. And I'm sorry to hear about your mom passing. Um, that must've been really difficult for you. So now when you do your work and when you're putting the films out there, do you see your mom and like bring your mom into the work that you do? We, my mom and I would go see movies together, go for lunches together. Same with my dad, but like my mom and I had this like, kind of relationship like this and my sisters moved out when I was like 10 so like my passion for film never really came out around my mom but I did love movies and and even now I'm like is she in them I don't know there's a current movie I'm like in development with uh, a short film that is uh is essentially about her death and it's kind of about it and, and you know it's the first time I'm kind of dealing with it but I think I think it's again a perfect storm of timing to why I'm dealing with it and is that the one my son went quiet? Correct. So the so the film itself. So uh, just to give a background, my so it's my son went quiet. It's a short film that is not made yet, but I've done a little bit of proof of concepts um, that is funded. It should be done this should be made this summer at some point. Um, and, and it basically is about uh, uh, a South Asian father and son dealing with the death of their wife and mother and they come home one day and they see a shadow living on the walls and the shadow is like sexless it's just this black figure and the son believes it to be the mother and the dad is questioning it but believes it to be his wife and and it's the idea of just dealing with grief it's the idea that like you know and I, I, like what you saw was like snippets of scenes but uh the overall arcing story is like what grief can do to some people and what what we do uh both both father son end up taking what we call like and it's all voiceover by the father so the the father just basically explains like it keeps saying that my son was sick in the head my son doesn't talk my son and that's and he takes a son to the doctors where he gets the son's pills and then he says my uh, doctor gave me pills as well and it's basically 
it's there's a lot of issues I'm trying to deal with. It's grief. It's toxic masculinity and not being able to cry. And men should not talk when they're sad. Men should not show emotions when they're sad. Uh, boys should not show emotions. Sad. It's something I lived with in a lot of ways. Like I, I was, you know, like my father would tell me not to cry and, you know, be like, be strong, be strong if I was ever crying. And like, and, and, and I think there's a lot of things when it comes to grief and holding that in, that really, you know, Fs you up, um, which it did uh, when my mom like died, I, I definitely had like issues showing emotion. I got panic attacks because I couldn't cry. Um, and, 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 and so like, I, that's what the movie's trying to kind of showcase, um, as well as how we just live with our grief. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Grief is a very like, interesting topic to explore but it's it's something that you know i think about (laughs) mortality in the cbc article that you were interviewed for about strong son um you had kind of explained that that film was for everyone even though it was like your experience um so making that film like about your dad like how how was making that film and how did you kind of create something that was about you and your relationship with your father, but also for everyone else. Um, so Strongson is a short film uh, that uh, is about a father and son a, working out at the gym. The son's a bodybuilder and the son is, or sorry, son's a bodybuilder and the father is an old fragile man. And the film is very similar to the, my son went quiet, uh, but like the dad voice covers the entire thing and gives the son advice and talks about his son and these critical ways but also in a nice way sometimes also all his problems with the son like he's like he should be married right now so the film uh was made about a year and a half two years ago and then like only in 2020 uh september of 2020 uh premiered at the toronto international film festival and it's still touring right now and i'm set to make a feature version of it um so the film stars my actual father uh Jagdeep Singh Bawa and uh and a bodybuilder friend of mine so it's kind of a hybrid uh film that's like a little bit doc a little bit narrative because it's basically entirely about my father and I and our relationship um that film it, it like again ideas come out of perfect storms i think of like situations i i signed up for a one take super eight contest which is something i do every year one take super eight being like super eight film um you get a super eight film and super eight camera and you go shoot a film uh that's about three minutes long and it all has to be in edited edited within the camera so you just kind of shoot and you don't do any post and then when the first time they show it is within live audience so i signed up for this and then what was happening was my birthday came along and um, I couldn't think of an idea and I was celebrating my birthday and my person I was seeing at the time showed up to my birthday with a new guy. Um, and we were together. I don't know. It's like, I, I, I describe it as like, it just was like a really shitty situation. <laughs> um, and it broke my heart. And I, I was just emotionally just like, wow, I thought we were dating. I guess we weren't. I don't really know what the situation was. And then the next day I had to go like to a breakfast brunch with my dad and I was at the restaurant. I just started telling him all this. And I just started crying and crying at the restaurant at Clementine's, their name drop. It was so embarrassing. And my dad started getting like sad and upset and mad at the same time. Just being like, don't cry. Don't cry. Be a man. You're strong. Be a man. And it was just like, I was so embarrassed. And then I had to figure out this idea for this movie. 
and also at the perfect storm of things, I was directing a show at the time and the lighting guy was this bodybuilder, Mandeep Sodi, who's a filmmaker and actor as well. And he, um, and I would joke around with him all the time being like, look at you, look at your arms. You're so huge. Your arms are the size of my neck. That's crazy. Um, and I was like, you're look at you're like the perfect South Asian son. My dad would love you as a son. I kept making those jokes. It was like, oh, you're married. You have a kid. Your mom lives with you. You like it. And anyway, so I was like, it'd be funny if that was the movie, like it, my dad and him working out together. And then like, weirdly enough, I flashbacked my own life and I'm like, right. I, when I lived at home, I lived at home till I was 30. I, my dad and I would go to the gym together and my dad would just sit and watch me work out mainly because he was an introvert and I was an extrovert and I wanted to get healthy after my mom died and my dad just needed to get out of the house. He would just come with me to the gym and just sit on the bench and watch me work out, which is not weird when you think about it, like in the moment, but weird when you talk about it out loud. Um, and, um, so yeah, like, and it, so it became this like overarching, like, I don't know, perfect storm where I was telling a story about my father and I, and our like life experience and all my things, my dad wanted for me, through his voice i don't know it, it's it's it was a it's a weird movie because it was all an accident it was all me just thinking things i thought it was all i thought it was a comedy but it's like a little less of that it's a little more like real which i was like oh yeah i just thought it was funny because it's about me and i don't think i'm that interesting but i guess apparently people seem to enjoy it when i first watched ian's short film strong sun it left me with a lot of questions as Ian described, it is set at a gym with a father and son. The father is critiquing his son's abilities and commenting on his son's strong arms and his legs and his overall physique. What was Ian's intention with the script? How did this idea unfold? It's a three minute film. It's not a heavy load of a film. The first minute of the film, it, it's sorry, it's a film about my vulnerability and each act or each minute is basically me peeling out a layer the first act is like is is if you asked about my dad and i like how's your relationship today? and i didn't know you that well i'd say my dad and i are great my dad and i have a really good relationship my dad pushes me to be stronger blah 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 you know that's act one that's minute one that's the beginning of the movie the middle part of the movie is a little more like how's your dad and yours relationship well um it's okay he's like he bullies me to like get married he kind of pokes me sometime to like you know what are you doing with your life why aren't you like you know doing this why are you get a real job uh you know things like that and you know it's it's me kind of peeling back the layer a little bit more and then the third act is the truth layer which is like how's your relationship with your dad and someone asked me that who's a friend and i would say it sucks like i love my dad we're really good except he's aging and i'm his primary caregiver and his health isn't good and i have to take care of him a lot and it's hard on me and i have to balance my life on this and and it's and it's and that's that's what the movie is it's the idea that like you know we have to take care of our parents and it's just like weird metaphor of like what does that mean while trying to maintain your mental health and physical health it's it's hard <laughs> so kind of looking back after you've kind of showed this film um at multiple like different festivals do you view it differently now than when you had just made it and it had just come out yeah yeah I have it's it's a film that like again 
I I did not even think it was gonna. I wasn't gonna show it to a festival. I was gonna just put it online right away because I was, I was just like, it's done. It was my COVID project. I got to work on it and make it as good as I can. But what happened was I made like a 15 second trailer for fun because I was like, you know, Instagram story. Why not? Um, and a bunch of people uh, uh, commented wanting to see it, so I sent it to them, and I got all this crazy feedback. And I just slipped. I hustled my way into TIFF. I'm not going to lie um, because the deadline was closed. Um, and that's a whole other story. But I, I got I got in on a year that they only took like 30 shorts and, you know, 50 features in a, in a year that was first COVID year in a year that was the first year for for the festival to be on like a big festival to be online. And and so. I don't know I, the response from there because like, there's all this press that came on top from TIFF. And then afterwards, there's all these festivals and press on top of that and people reaching out. And my dad and I became like local celebrities for a short time. I, I learned uh, the film again. I learned that it was vulnerable without I didn't realize it was that. Uh, but I knew it, like it was special to me and that was it. And then I didn't realize it was vulnerable. I thought it was going to be embarrassing because it's embarrassing to be vulnerable sometimes at least that's my mindset clearly because i have some fucked up ideas of what vulnerability is and i'm showing emotions as a male um but uh you know i'm working on it clearly as well um but i i think what i've learned is yeah it's just i've learned two things i and i've said this to other people before i've learned that vulnerability trumps all in your art which i've kind of said earlier it, it very much like it, it helps you connect with your audience and, and you really like people really understand you and the other side of that and so and so be vulnerable in your art but the other side of that is be careful like with your vulnerability because <laughs> um you sometimes have to keep talking about it in that sense my dad passed away like a few weeks after tiff and uh and uh it's been rough it's been terrible i've i had i've i'm tortured with the rest of my life to talk about this film. Um, I, I have to talk, go to like, you know, do these online press junkets and, and, and constantly. And, you know, the first question everyone asks is like, so is your dad wanting to be a big celebrity now? I was like, no, he died. He died literally like two weeks after this, like blew up. Um, and it sucked and I've been still dealing with it. And, and so, you know, I was vulnerable and then got backslapped and it, and it, it and and I'm dealing with that now. So there's there's a there's a two sided store like sword to it all. Um, be careful what you wish for, but like I you know, it's I'm learning. That's the thing. It is clear that Ian has experienced great setback and challenge throughout his life and his career. What has helped Ian to stay focused and productive? Yeah, like I think I used to say routine was bad mainly because I thought it was like you're not going to force yourself out of it and you're going to get stuck in it. And then I saw routine as like the equivalent to it, like having a nine to five. Yeah. And I've realized no routine is actually can be beneficial in certain aspects. And then I've realized I've become kind of a morning person, which I never thought I'd be in my life, but it's because like, I, I feel like I have so much to do in a day and I like my mornings to myself. And so, and I like, taking like a first couple hours of the morning just to do nothing really just to like dick around on my phone walk my dog I love making the same breakfast I eat the same breakfast every day which is like lame as hell but it makes me feel really good and I feel super energized and and like sometimes I like work like going for a run or exercising first thing in the morning and so I I feel like two things of my process yeah kind of like 
kind of having my morning to myself. And then my other thing is going for a coffee break, which is because I'm so extroverted. Uh, like, and I've learned to become an introvert over this last year, living alone, living at home. Um, I, I started fostering dogs about a year and a half ago, <laughs> which was like crazy. Um, and uh, that helped a lot of my extrovertness. But like, I realized going for a coffee really just gives me that juice of recharging. I go mm -hmm. see someone, they ask me how my day is, they ask me a coffee order. I sit on a bench for like 15 minutes, then go home. And I realized that really just like ups my energy for the rest of the day to be like, okay, what else can I get done? Let's do this. I, I, I just, I need things like that in order to just like keep the process going. I also need the, the very last thing, actually, I should say is three things, uh, champions. Like I, I've, I've defined people as champions, friends who will support me friends. If I'm feeling being in the arts is bipolar. You have days where you're just like, I'm the best F my competitors. <laughs> I'm the best person ever. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. And then like, but then you have days, most days where you're just like, this is so hard. And it's just a matter of like, you need your friends or whoever it is, your parents, your family to like remind you you're good. And, and, uh, and if, whenever you're feeling down like that, and I think that's really important and part of the process of a day today, if you need it that day. So, yeah. How does Ian find creative inspiration to develop films and to tell stories? You know, at this point, it was like still my parents, still my dad. It's just like I, that's the thing. That's the, that's the flame I'm having trouble with lately. Okay. Because that was. It's funny. I did this speech a long time ago that was about kind of how I got into film. And I basically talked about the story of my dad, or sorry, my mom passing away and my, me finding film leading law. And I, I ended the speech by saying, live the life you would live, live the life you, you would live if your parents were not around because they won't always be. And I think about that speech now and I still live for my parents, which is weird, mm -hmm. but it's like a weird legacy thing. I just want them to be proud. No, I want them to be remembered. I remember when my mom died, I remember just getting mail for her still like a few months after and thinking how good it felt that someone out there still remembered she existed, even though it was spam mail. And and there's something about that, like the longer I live, the longer, the better I do, the more I get to talk about my parents and people will remember them. This episode was written and produced by me, Emily Palmer, communications intern at the National Screen Institute. A very special thank you goes out to NSI's Joey Lowen, Liz Hover, Chris Vajner, Ursula Lawson, Kaya Wheeler, and Jessica Gibson. Thank you to the National Screen Institute's corporate supporters. Manitoba Sport, Culture, and Heritage, the City of Winnipeg, to the Winnipeg Arts Council, TELUS, Telefilm Canada, CBC, APTN, Bell Media, Directors Guild of Canada, Manitoba Film and Music, RBC Emerging Artist Project, Documentary Channel, CBC Gem, 
Center for Aboriginal Human Resource Development, Indigenous Screen Office, Canada Media Fund, the Winnipeg Foundation, Super Channel, Blue Ant Media, National Film Board of Canada, Stantec, William F. White International, and Company 3. And a very special thank you to all of our other supporters. And a big thank you to you for listening to this episode of The Hats We Wear.